The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you help us pray? Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your love for us. Thank you for your mercy, your grace. Thank you for uh, the gospel. Thank you for the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and how that message has changed my life. I would not be here tonight had it not been for the gospel changing my life. And I pray, God, that you'd help us tonight. I pray knowing there's a lot of needs in the building and that you know all about every single one of them. God, I know I have a need tonight for you to guard me and God to guide me. I pray you You'd touch my mouth. I pray I'd say everything I need to, nothing I don't. I pray you'd guard my mind. Help me bring back remembrance of those things I've studied and those things I've meditated on. Then I pray you'd guard my motives. I pray they'd be pure in the sight of God and I'd please you with everything I'm doing and glorify you that we might be honored by your presence tonight in the preaching. I pray you'd help us now for time and eternity's sake. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. Keep your Bibles open for the message from God's eternal word. Now I know Psalm chapter 23 is probably one of the most familiar chapters in all the Bible. A lot of times we hear a chapter mentioned from the preacher that we know and probably most of you probably quoted it while I read it. And I know I was preaching not long ago in a church and I was preaching out of this text and a little six-year-old girl quoted it the whole time I was reading it by herself. And we remember this psalm from as a, a, cha, a child and as a lad and we remember this psalm being quoted. But this psalm a lot of times is associated for some reason with funerals. A lot of times it's associated with death. Most funeral flyers that you'll find, I guess that's what they call it there when you pick the thing up at the funeral home. Uh, uh, they have Psalm 23 stamped in there or something like that. And that's well and good and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think about Psalm 23, I don't believe it's a psalm for the dead, but I believe Psalm 23 is a psalm for the living. You think about where it's positioned in your Bible, right? After Psalm 22 and right before Psalm 24. And of course that makes sense in numbering, but Psalm 22 is a psalm of Calvary. It's the psalm of uh, the suffering Savior. Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm looking up to the time where the Savior will come and he will die for the sins of the world and he will be crucified and we see that's a story of the past Psalm 22 Calvary was the past Calvary is in the past of our life where we're at today but then Psalm 24 right after Psalm 23 is a psalm of the crown it's a psalm of glory it's a psalm of not a suffering savior but a sovereign king it's a psalm coming in the future one day I don't know how long it's going to be I know it'll at least be seven years before he comes and rules and reigns on the throne of David but the Psalm 24 is out in the future somewhere and tucked between the past of Psalm 22 and the future of Psalm 24 is Psalm 23 and it's a psalm for today, a psalm for our present. If you read Psalm 23, you'll notice uh, that the verb tense is present tense. It is present. You read it today, it's for today. You go read it tomorrow, it'll be for tomorrow. Psalm 23 is a psalm for the living right now and so I thank God for this psalm. I think about uh, the shepherd of 
love this psalm. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And uh, what better shepherd do you want than the Lord? What a shepherd we have in the Lord. I think about the secret to this psalm is uh, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not just the shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He is my personal shepherd. I thank God that he is my shepherd. And that's the secret of this psalm. That unlocks everything else we're about to uh, read when we go into this psalm is that is he your shepherd? If he's not your shepherd, then you don't get the benefits of having everything the shepherd uh, gives to you if you don't have him as your shepherd. So I see the shepherd. I see the secret. Uh, But tonight I want to deal with the supply of the shepherd, the supply of this psalm. In verse number one, the latter part, the phrase said, the psalmist or David said, I shall not want. And tonight I don't have a, I'm not going to blow your mind with anything extravagant tonight, but I got a simple thought in my heart about this phrase that David chooses to use here, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he puts in here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. I'm going to look at three things about this phrase and then we'll get done tonight. Number one, I want to think about the meaning of this phrase. I shall not want. What did David mean when he said, I shall not want? Did David mean uh, that he would have every desire of his heart fulfilled? Did he mean that he would never lack anything at all? Did he mean that those who follow the Lord uh, would always have everything they've always wanted? Would they always have every desire met? Would they even have every material thing given to them that they their heart set on? Is that what David meant by when he said, I shall not not won't. Well, I think about who is this writer here. It's, it's David. I think about there's times in David's life where surely he wanted some things. Think about David running from Saul in those days of being a fugitive and running for his life. There was days he went without meals. There was days he went without a place to sleep, a place to rest in, a days that he went without. And surely in those days, he thought to himself, there's some things I want. But I believe even in those days he could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think about the days later on in David's life when he's running from his son Absalom, again a fugitive running for his life and days of not having things to eat, not having a place to stay, not maybe having the necessities of life and yet he wanted some things in his life but yet I think true still was the fact that he could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think about other characters in our Bible and men in our Bible. I think about Job and the story of Job. And if anybody followed the Lord, if anybody had the Lord as his shepherd, it was Job. I remind you that uh, the the Lord tells us that Job was perfect, not right in all his ways. That wasn't just a, a friend of his or a family member saying that. The Lord said he was perfect, not right in all his ways. Surely Job followed the Lord. Surely Job had the Lord as his shepherd. And I'm thinking about the day when he finds out his barns are all uh, are destroyed. I'm thinking about when he finds out his cattle are gone. Don't you think there was some want in Job's life that day? Don't you think there was some wants when the messenger came and said, your children are gone, they're dead, Job? Don't you think there was a desire in his heart not met that day, a want that was not met that day? But yet Job, I believe, could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think about Elijah by the book Brook Cherith, and surely we could shout about that. We could thank God for the water. We could thank God for the rain 
ravens bringing me. I think that man of God probably wanted more than what the ravens had at times. I'm surely there was days he wanted more than just the water from the brook. I think about sitting there, he probably thought, I wish I had a bed to lay in. I wish I had a change of clothes to put on. I wish I had some family. I wish I had some friends. But I'm sure Elijah had some wants there by the brook chair. I mean, you think about it, the brook dries up, the ravens stop flying. He's got to go borrow a brisket from a widow woman. I believe Elijah had some wants in his life. But I think Elijah would say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I could go on and on and on. I think about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said, y'all got places to stay. The animals have their places to stay. Foxes have holes. He said, but I don't even have a place to lay my head. Surely the Lord wanted a place to lay his head. Surely the Lord wanted some of those things. And if anybody knew the Lord as his shepherd, uh, the Lord knew himself as his shepherd, amen. He was close to God. Uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, that we've got got this idea, I think it's a fallacy in the Christian life uh, that if we don't have everything we want or we don't have everything we desire or we don't have all these necessities met, we think that maybe God's mad at us or or maybe the Lord's not treating us fair or we think maybe uh, that we're not even right with God. We have the idea in 2020 uh, that a man or woman who is prospering materially it must mean that that's the blessings of God on their life and what happens is when we think that way is when we're not prospering materially and we don't have everything we want or we don't have everything we need, we think, well, we must not be right with God. Hello? I'm not talking, hey, listen, I'm not talking to the TBN crowd. I'm not talking about the, uh, the crowd on television. I'm talking about what happens in the Independent Baptist Church. We get on our minds that only the only blessings of God are the material things. And I say this, thank God for material things. Hey, I'm glad to have a roof over my head, a bed to sleep in, clothes to put on, a food in my belly. Thank God for material things. I'm glad I had a car to get me up here tonight. Hey, but listen, we think if we don't have those things, we must not be right with God. Or maybe we think if somebody else doesn't have those things, they must not be right with God. And what happens is I think this psalmist, I don't think this psalmist is talking about material things at all. I believe that this is not material. I believe it's a mental thing that the psalmist is dealing with. Here's what I believe that the psalmist is talking about when he says, I shall not want. I believe this is that he is content with the shepherd's care for his life. I believe that he says, I am satisfied with the shepherd. I am satisfied how he is shepherding me. I am satisfied how he is managing me. I am satisfied with how he is taking care of me. You sung it just a moment ago. Jesus never fails, but yet so many times we think he's failing us when we don't have the desires of our heart or the wants of our life. But yet, can I remind you, as they've already sung it, he he never fails, and he hadn't st- he hadn't failed yet, and he's go- not going to start with you, Amen. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. I believe that uh, again we have this idea that we've got to have these thoughts. I'm thinking about a, a man that used to be at our church and, and uh, he was not right with God. He wasn't right with the church. He wasn't right with me. Uh, but yet he would stand up and he would testify about how when he was out of the will of God he had no church clothes. And now that he's in the will of God, which he wasn't, uh, he had all these church clothes in his clothes. And I thought to myself, well if that's the blessings of God, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean because uh, that man was, I mean he calls me, he was a thorn in my flesh for him and uh, I listen uh, they, 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 but he would, every time he testified it was always about material things yeah. Yeah. and sometimes I'll be honest with you, I get caught up in that 
We sing songs like I've been blessed and I start thinking about all the material stuff in my life I've been blessed with. I mean, we have, and we ought to be thankful for those things. And all things give thanks. When I think about those Christians that are in other parts of the world or maybe even Christians right here in our part of the world who don't have the things that I'm rejoicing over that probably don't have the benefits that I've, I've enjoyed today. Uh, some of those bus kids families that y'all pick up uh, that don't enjoy the benefits you enjoy today. Uh, we don't have, some of you young people have the benefits that some other kids don't have any clue about at all. I mean, listen, uh, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I believe this, that a Christian may be called upon to experience a lack of things a lack of wealth, a lack of material, maybe even a lack of health uh, for his own benefit. I think the Lord has works. I do believe the, word, the Lord works all things for, his, for our good, amen? And so whether those all things include sweet things or bitter things, he's working it for our good. I think about sometimes we get in this mindset of us having all these things makes us right with God. I think about Revelation. When Jesus gives those indictments of that church, at one church he says in Revelation 3, thou sayest I'm rich because thou sayest I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, naked, poor, blind, and naked. He said, you think you're rich, you think you've got it all, but you don't have anything. But that church down the road that does have it all, they don't, they, that does not have it all, they've got it all. Hey, listen, what he's saying is the Christians who think that all its things wrapped up in wealth and health and prosperity, they really are missing out on the real blessings of God. I think about Ephesians, I believe it's chapter number one in verse number three, I think it is, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, amen. I thank God for the blessings of God. I think about this, sometimes we're called on to experience those lacks, but in those hardships, in those hard times, in those down times, a Christian, a true child of God that is content with the, the shepherd, that is content with the shepherd shepherding him can still say, I shall not want. Now, I'm, uh, some maybe don't know this, but I'm also the administrator of Philadelphia Christian School there in Calhoun, and our choir is learning a song. I still have never heard outside of the choir learning it, but it says, uh, the course of the song says, once you've tasted the goodness of mercy and you've drunk from the fountain of grace, seen the power of God's forgiveness face to face, once you've known the joy in his presence, felt the love of his faithfulness, you'll never be satisfied with anything less. And my friend, I do believe this, that you cannot, that if you get satisfied in him, you'll never be satisfied with anything less than him because everything else is less than him, amen. He satisfies uh, the soul. Uh, the, uh, listen, I think about this, the shepherd's care and the management of his life, and that is what David is saying, I'm okay. It, my, the shepherd may have me running for my life right now, but I shall not walk. The shepherd may have me living in a cave right now, now, I shall not walk. I may be living by the rook chair. I shall not walk. I may lose my barns. I may lose my cattle. I may lose my children. Uh, but I shall not want. Uh, I may not have a place to lay my head. But I shall not want. I think about John the Baptist. Uh, the wilderness preacher. He only had a leathern girdle. And he ate wild honey and locusts. I think to myself, surely he wanted more than that. Surely he wanted a better suit of clothes. Surely he wanted a T-bone steak. Amen. And a potato. Uh, surely he probably had some wants and desires of his life. Oh, but I believe John the Baptist could say as many of these others have been able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. 
I told our young people on Sunday morning uh, that those, so we look at the material things and we think, oh, they must be right with God. But listen, I know drug dealers got better vehicles than I do. Amen. I know I know a lot of womanizers got better suits than I got on tonight. Amen. I know a lot of fornicators and adulterers that got better house than I've got. Are you listening tonight? Things are not what matters. And it's not wrong to have things. It's just wrong for things to have you tonight. Amen. And so the psalmist David is finding his contentment with the Lord and that the Lord is his shepherd, that the Lord is, he, the, David is resting in the fact, in the care of his shepherd and it means I, I have no other cravings, I, I have no other desires than that the Lord be my shepherd. You know, I think to myself that, uh, uh, that, that to think that if the Lord is not my shepherd, then who am I going to be serving? Who am I going to be following? I think this, if we're not following the Lord, I think most of us will follow self. I don't think we've got a bunch of crowd that's following the devil on purpose in here tonight, but I think we got a lot, probably just like me, uh, that, that follow ourselves a lot of times. You know, I, I read something last week that the self is a tyrant, and I thought that's real true. Self's a dictator. Self is never satisfied. Uh, self, self cannot be satisfied. And I thought about self, how self can't even give what the Lord gives, yet that's who we run to serve so many times. I think not only the meaning of I shall not want, but the master of I shall not want. When it's all said and done, the care or the welfare of a sheep is entirely dependent on the care of the shepherd. This is a shepherd song. This is a psalm from a sheep about a shepherd. We've got to think about sheep for a moment. Sheep can't make it by themselves. Sheep have to be led Sheep have to have some defense. They, they're, they're defenseless in their self. They're, they're, they, they can't protect themselves. A sheep, they can feed once they get to the food, but they can't make food themselves. And they can't even find food themselves. I mean, you don't ever go out in the woods and find a flock of wild sheep running around. You know, I, I get maybe there's some hunters in here, but when you're hunting this weekend on last, last weekend of hunting season, you're probably not going to be interrupted by a wild flock of sheep because they don't, can't survive. They've got to have a shepherd. They've got to have somebody leading them. And we are like sheep. We are like, so many times we're like sheep gone astray. Jesus looked on the crowds with compassion as a sheep without a shepherd. And I think that as a sheep, if I'm still here as a sheep, I'm, I'm, I'm following something or somebody. And again, I find myself so many times, and I don't like it about myself. I hate it about myself, but I find out I serve myself a lot of times. I think about what, what can self offer me? Well, it can offer me bare fields. Self can offer me impoverished pastures, uh, polluted waters. Uh, self can get me into some bad situations. You know why? Because self is only concerned with self. Self is indifferent about the care of me, really. Uh, it, uh, it makes me think that. It makes, oh, it's all, what's best for you? You know, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, you know. You got to take care of number one. And, and that's what we say. That's what self says. But self's not satisfied with that. See, it's indifferent. He's callous. He's got an iron grip on our life. And, and he leaves us wanting. He leaves us unsatisfied. When, when we serve ourselves, we'd have to say, that self is my shepherd and I still want Self is my shepherd and I'm still unsatisfied. I'm not content with myself. Uh, uh, listen, uh, but, but the, the, not this, this sheep's not saying that. 
This sheep is not saying I'm serving self and unsatisfied. I, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I've always thought about Psalm 23 as a sheep and having a, a fence in front of him and there's another sheep on the other side of the fence and he's bragging to that other sheep about his shepherd. I've always had that in my mind, that this sheep, David, is over there and he is boasting about his shepherd. And that while maybe the other sheep is complaining about the shepherd that it has, maybe the other sheep is complaining about the pastures it's feeding in, David is able to stand up and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me tell you about my shepherd. Let me tell you about the one that's leading me. Let me tell you about the fields he's let me feed in, where he making me to lie down in green pastures, where he leadeth me beside the street. Waters. Let me tell you about what my shepherd does for me. Amen. And he's bragging about his shepherd. I think about those, and we've talked about these things having these things or things having people. You know this is true. You know some people that have all the things of the world, yet they're miserable. We got people in our church, got people in the school, we got people in life. We know they have everything, but they're miserable. They, they, they are restless, they are unsettled because doing that kind of, having those things makes you want more and more and more and more. I think this, I'll say this, I think that if you can't be content in the state you're in, let me say this, you'll never be satisfied with nothing else. Some of you, I don't know, I don't know, I know a lot of you, I don't know all of you, there may be somebody here you're not satisfied with your marriage. Hey, you're not gonna be happy in a better one. Amen. You're not going to be content. If you're not content where you're at, where God's got you, you're not going to be satisfied with somebody, some of my other spouse. Uh, you think, well, I got to have a bigger house. Well, you're not going to be satisfied if you're not satisfied with the one you've got. I'm not saying, I, I have, if I have these things, I, I've got a young man I know right now that he's got all this stuff and he thinks if I can just keep adding this stuff to my collection, I'll be satisfied. And he's miserable. He's empty. He's not satisfied. But you know what? I know some Christians who they don't have anything. And all they have known is hardship after hardship, disaster after disaster, struggle after struggle, uh, financial downtimes, health uh, or uh, physical downtimes and, uh, and things like that. But yet because they belong to Christ and because their contentment's not in the stuff, but their contentment's in the Savior, they have a satisfaction and they can cry out, I shall not want, amen. I shall not want. They don't run around murmuring and complaining about everything. They just find satisfaction in the Lord. And my friend, I hope to be like that. I want to be like that in 2020 if I have any resolution, if I have any goal, is that I want to be satisfied with him. I want to be satisfied in him. I want to be content with the shepherd, shepherding my life, whatever that means. Wherever he leads me, I will follow. I will follow him wherever he goes. They understand they're under God's care and they know it. They know that he's working whatever it is in their life for their good and for his glory. They understand the master of I shall not want. I believe this. I think contentment ought to be the hallmark of a man and woman that's a Christian. I believe a Christian, we ought to have contentment. I mean, in 2020, that's hard. I mean, we are, we are not satisfied. They prove that, okay, well, you, you, some of you got new cell phones last year and you found out the iPhone 11 come out and now you're going to find out they're going to come out with another one and you're already watching all the videos about that. Maybe I'll have that problem here. But mostly, hello, I don't know why you want an iPhone anyway. But anyway, Sam, so you get the new Galaxy and you find out they're going to come out with a new one, you, gotta go, you start looking up the videos. You bought you a brand new car 
And now they come out with another model. It's got one more feature than yours did. And you start, huh? Homes. I mean, we go on and new technology and, and, new th- and all that stuff. We're not satisfied. We're just not satisfied. And you're never going to find contentment trying to find it in stuff. Things. You're going to have to find it in Him. You think about you put your affairs in the hands of Almighty God. What better hands can you put them in? Hello? And all state said you're in good hands with them. I don't know about that, but I know if I've got my stuff in his hands, I know I'm in good hands. Amen. I believe a Christian can stand up and boast, not in their self, but in boast in the, who their shepherd is. I shall not want. I believe they can say I'm completely satisfied with his management. I think about Dr. Ballou, and he would say it over and over again. I'm a satisfied customer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I say I ain't been in as long as he was. I've not been in as long as some of you have. But so far, I'm a satisfied customer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm telling you, looking back on 2019, I got a lot of complaints for myself. I got a lot of complaints with other things. But I have no complaints in him. Amen. Been saved since I was nine. Been preaching since I was 16. Been pastoring since I was six. And I have no, I mean, since I was six, six years. Amen. Correct myself. I have not been pastor since I was six. Amen. It's Wednesday night. Pastor for six years. Preacher for 15 years. Saved for 22 years. Hey, listen, I am a satisfied customer with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm satisfied with him. He's working all things for my good and for his glory. Satisfied. The meaning behind this, the master, but then I see lastly the management of this phrase, I shall not want. How can a sheep be so satisfied with the Lord? I I think tonight, it's a Wednesday night, and you're here. It's the first, I guess, Wednesday night. It's the Wednesday night of the first full week of the year. It's probably not been, everything's not been great this week. Usually things go really bad all week long. Wednesdays, you're dragging in. You've got burdens. You've got stuff like that, but you're here. And, and, and not only are you here, you're at this church, so you're, you're at a great church. You're part of a great work that's going on up here in Rossville. And, and, and I, so I know that I'm probably talking to most people in here. I, I, I would believe there's probably nobody here that doesn't want to be content with the Lord. I believe everybody in this room, if you're listening tonight, if you've heard anything I've said tonight, you want to be satisfied with the Lord. And I want to be. But how do you do that? How do you get, how, how can you be satisfied with the Lord no matter where he leads me? Because I'll be honest with you, it's easy when times are good. I mean, right now, there's nothing big going on in my life. It's easy for me to stand up and hope and holler and say, I shall not want. Things are good in the Allen house right now. Things are going great at our church right now. It's easy for me to say, I shall not want. But what about when it's not going real good? Not about, what about when the next bit of trouble's just around the corner? What about if somebody comes and gives me the message of Job yet? Could I say, I shall not want? What if God leaves me beside a brook and I have to depend on ravens to bring me a biscuit? What if I have to depend on, what if I have to depend on wild honey and locust? I'm not even real sure what locusts are. But what if I've got to go eat that? Am I going to be able to say, I shall not want? No, I think about this. This is the illustration that has stuck in my mind since studying this out. Back at Thanksgiving, we were headed to Villarica, Georgia, where my, grand, my wife's grand, great-grandmother lives, and we're headed down there, and, and we were in the van, and we're headed down, and all of a sudden, we came to an intersection, and there was a McDonald's on the side of the road. And my, my boy, he's five years old, and he, he said, Daddy, there's a McDonald's right there. 
and I'm hungry. You think we could get something to eat? We were 10 minutes from great-grandmother's house. Thanksgiving dinner, y'all. I don't know what y'all do at Thanksgiving, but Mama Washington knows how to do Thanksgiving dinner. You know, the real thing, like turkey and dressing and ham and okra and everything's fried and a bunch of grease and it's all, it's not THM approved or keto approved or whatever you're on this time, this week anyway. You'll be done with it next week, but you can tell I'm not on anything right now. I'm still on Thanksgiving. But we're 10 minutes down the road from that. And he goes, I want McDonald's. And I said, no, we're almost Mama Washington, boy. I said, we about to have some real food, some turkey. And he loves turkey and dressing. I said, we about to have some turkey and dressing. He said, yeah, but I'm hungry right now. And I want some McDonald's. And I said, no, we're not doing that. We're going to wait till we get the, to, the, to the good stuff right down the road. And I think about this, how many times in my life, and the Lord spoke to me, and, my, and he don't always do that to me. I'm not this super spiritual guy that gets messages out of every little thing. But that day God spoke to my heart, and he said, but how many times do you do that? He said, I got a Thanksgiving feast waiting for you. You may not really realize what all's there. My boy didn't realize all what that meant. You don't realize it, but you're stopping at McDonald's. And you pick up a dollar burger. And it satisfies you right then, but it won't satisfy you long. How many of y'all know that's true? Get you a little can of chicken, get you a little thing of chicken nuggets, you know, and you eat it right now. Five minutes later, you're hungry. But you go to Momo's, and if you eat right at Momo's, you don't have to eat again that day. Come on now. Amen. If you do it right, amen, if you do it right, you won't have to eat again. That It satisfies, friend. You might, you might get by with skipping breakfast and lunch the next day if you do it right. Not if you have McDonald's, though. But how many times in my life have I had some spiritual McDonald's show up and, you know, Satan hold the dollar burger up? And I, I needed that satisfaction right then. You know, that's, that's the generation we're in now. You've got to have it now. Can't wait on anything. And we're just like that in the, in the, in the, as a Christian. I want, the, I want the Big Mac right now. I know I've got turkey and dressing down the road. I know that's going to be a lot better and better for me and all that kind of stuff, but I want it now. Daddy. And we're not satisfied with what he's got down the road for us. But a sheep, like this sheep, is satisfied with his master and his man. And how, how do we, how can we get that point? It's that the, that the sheep is constantly thinking of how the shepherd has been managing him. He thinks about how this is the great shepherd. He thinks about how, he's, hey, wait a minute, he's never failed me. I can think about times in my life and my mama, thank God, she done the best she could raising three kids by herself. And I remember times getting it real far down in our lives. I mean, I'm talking about nothing in the cabinets. And I'm not got no pity story. If I ain't God for grace, I thank God. She done the best she could. But I remember sitting us in the living room and she'd tell us with tears in her eyes, she said, God ain't never failed us yet. And we're going to pray and he won't fail us this time. And I'm telling you, I, I, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know how it happened, but she'd get to praying for, for God to do something. And all of a sudden there'd be a knock on the door. Somebody, some neighbor cooked way too much food for their family. And the, and the husband don't eat leftovers. Hallelujah. Amen. We do. Amen. <laughs> Hello. I've seen it happen. I've seen my mama time and time again say, he ain't failed us yet. He ain't going to start today. Amen. And I thank God for times in my life. I had done something for me as a kid. Now as an adult, I can say the same thing. He has never failed me. And the sheep that can be content is the one who thinks, hey, he hadn't failed me in the past. He's not going to fail me today. He manages my life well. 
because he thinks that there's nothing, no trouble too great for the care of the shepherd, and that the shepherd loves the sheep for his own sake and for their sake. He's on the job 24-7. See, a good shepherd is never off duty. A good shepherd is always making sure those sheep are properly cared for. He delights in that flock and makes sure that they are satisfied in what they I mean, they, a, a good shepherd wakes up early in the morning and the first thing he does is walks out and makes sure the sheep are okay. He puts his eyes on the sheep and all throughout the day he is watching those sheep. He is looking at those sheep, making sure they are okay. When he finally goes to bed at night, he goes to bed with both ears open and one eye open, ready to jump up at the sign of any trouble. The sheep are always on his mind. The sheep are always on his heart. And my friend, we have a good shepherd. that We are always on his mind. We are always on his heart. He is ever interceding for us tonight and he's concerned about us and he cares for us and he's taking real good care of us tonight and he delights in us and he finds satisfaction when we're satisfied in him when we're properly fed when we're safe when we're flourishing under his care he takes real good pride in that kind of stuff he gives himself for his sheep I read of a shepherd who uh, who found out there were cougars in the area going after flocks and so he would wait up at night with his gun and he was waiting up to that cougar to come and he was going to kill the cougar and that night nothing came in his fields. So what did he do? He had to stay up all day and take care of the sheep all day. So the next night he stayed up as well. And this one went, went on three and four nights and five, five night and days straight of no sleep. That shepherd was giving his life for those sheep. He was willing to give his life. And thank God our shepherd has given his life for us. Amen. I thank God that he died on Calvary for my sin. I'm glad he gave himself for us. I'm thankful he gave himself to us. I thank God that he abides in us. And he's given us the comforter to go with us. He's given himself to us as the great shepherd. He knows all about our life. I think about John 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So I find to, find, to have this contentment is to be content in how he has managed your life in the past. And if he's done it before, he'll do it again. And if he's done it, sometimes I think we don't believe that he'll do it again. I think about the disciples in Mark chapter 6. I'm preaching through the book of Mark right now. I think about the disciples in Mark chapter 6. They get out on the ocean. They get on the sea and they're headed over the sea and a storm comes and they are fearful of what's going to happen. And Jesus comes walking on the water and the Bible says they wondered. It, they were amazed. Now watch this. Before this happened, they had already seen him raise the dead. They had seen him cure diseases. They had seen him cast out devils. They had just watched him take five loaves and two fish and feed over 5,000 people. They had watched him do miracles. He had already calmed a storm before, and yet they wondered. They were amazed that he could do it again. And the Bible says because they had hardened their hearts. He'd done all that stuff before, but they didn't think he could do it again. How many times have we like that? We've seen what he's done before. I don't know if he'll do it for me. Or maybe we've seen what he's done for others. Maybe he won't do it for me. Can I say that? The shepherd takes, he wants to take good care of you. I say this and I'm done. I, thought, I read a book about a shepherd and he told about one of his sheep and he said it was the best sheep he had ever had. He even talks about it later. He said even 
after, after the fact, I've never had a sheep as good as this sheep. It was, it was balanced. Its body was just right. She was very strong. She was, she was uh, just perfect. Everything about it, no blemish at all. The, the, the lambs that she would, uh, would, would produce was, was very mature lambs, and they were just, she was just the best lamb she had. He had the best sheep. She had one problem. He was, she was what they call a fence crawler. She was never satisfied in the fields of that shepherd. And from what he said, he had the best fields of any shepherd in that area, but she wasn't satisfied. And every day, without fail, she would find herself somewhere in some other field. And she never would be feeding on better food. She'd find herself on sand and rocks and dry, nasty, dirty grass and stuff that was dried out and dead. And what happened was she finally she started leading her lambs out there and eventually leading other sheep out there. That was her only problem. The shepherd said, one day I realized I'm never going to win her. She was never going to be satisfied in here. So he got the butcher knife. And he took the life of that sheep because she wasn't satisfied with the shepherd. Tonight, I want to be satisfied with the shepherd. And I know you want to be satisfied with the shepherd. And I say in 2020, if we're going to do anything for God, we're going to have to get satisfied with him. Get satisfied with Jesus. Let's all stand, heads bowed, and eyes closed.